Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. We're going to start a new series on the love of God as seen in the book of John. Uh, let's just, to set context today, I want to open up with John chapter 3 and start in verse 1. And this will set our, our context. Because usually we don't, we pick and choose our way, especially through chapter 3. John chapter 3 verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. And in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And then we're going to go, of course, next into John 3.16, the most I would hope, the most well-known verse in the Bible. Certainly when I was a kid, it was the first thing you memorized. I don't know that people do memorization much anymore. I think that that's, I think that that's a shame. I think that yeah, I think it trains the brain. I think knowing the books of the Bible is amazing because it helps you look the stuff up quickly in the Bible. And it theoretically, you kind of see how the Bible's put together and the order that things take place. So when we talk about John 3, what do we say that isn't already obvious? In that sense, this maybe is a difficult sermon to write. And and maybe even one of the hardest sermons. Um, Is this passage too obvious? Is is it wasting our time to go over again what so many people already know? Or, or can we lose the forest for the trees? Maybe. 
Sometimes you get into a routine. Uh, uh, Last week, I texted Chris and said, hey, I've finished writing the sermon outline up, and you can come to the church and photocopy it off. And I don't know if I actually did that. I texted her and went to the church to print it out, and I might have done other... She came and said, I can't find it. I don't know that I did. I have such a Saturday routine that you get into that routine and you kind of go on autopilot and don't pay attention to what you're doing. Church can become that way. The Bible can become that way if we're not careful. And I think John chapter 3 in particular, that it just kind of, we, we, we know it so well that we're not, pay attention, we're not paying attention any longer to what we're saying. Do we want to go through this? Do we want to preach this, or are we comfortable enough? I, I, I think my opinion is sometimes it's good to get back to the basics. So, sometimes we forget the basics. Um, sometimes we... we, we uh, We've moved on to advanced concepts, and, and these get shaky. I know in, in, in language, just an example, uh, when, I, when I was teaching uh, Greek at Morthland College, there were things in that chapter one of that Greek book that just, I, I know I had read them you know, 20 years earlier, but I'd forgotten. Even though it's, it's basic, it's chapter one stuff, I'd kind of forgotten them because you kind of move on and there's certain things you take for granted. And sometimes the basics surprise you when you get back to them. I think sometimes in church we get so caught up in the advanced stuff that we forget the basics. Um, so John chapter 3, this is basic. This is, doesn't, doesn't, just because it's basic doesn't mean we have it down. It doesn't mean that we don't need to focus on it. When Jesus said these words, this was earth-shaking, and I think it still is, and I don't think that we can afford to take it for granted This is foundational to our faith. And so, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So we read a few things in here. God gives us life. How do we live? How how do you make it from day to day? I Honest to goodness truth, I think most of our world doesn't. I think that they exist. That part's obvious. I don't know that I would use living to describe it. They, they react to what's going on around them. But if you were to ask them, do you have joy? I don't, most people 
don't even know what that word means. Um, They would be lost. Ask them, where are you going? Ask them, what's it all for? What does it matter whether you get up in the morning or don't? For most of the world, there's no answer to that. For most of the world, life is just a struggle to exist until eventually you quit existing. And and I don't mean that to sound depressing. I just, without God in our lives, we exist. We breathe, we sleep, we eat. I've got a pet hermit crab that does all of that. But I've had that thing for forever since before Calypso came along. But... But he lives in a little bot. He lives in an aquarium. He li- he, and, and he's lived in this aquarium for, heavens, at least 11 years now. And that's his world. And he eats and he sleeps and he molts because that's what they do. And that's his life. And that's what he's been doing for 11 years. And I don't think he's happy. But he's a hermit crab. His brain is tiny. I don't know that he does anything. I think he just kind of exists. And I think, but I think most of the world is that way. They get up because they have to. They go to work because they have to. They watch TV to forget about it. And, and thinking about it is the worst. It's why, it's why suicide is the highest at Christmas. Because Christmas is that one time that God really breaks through our attention span and confronts us with, I sent my son for you. And that's a depressing thought. If you don't have the Son. We who have accepted Jesus live by faith, or at least we're supposed to. And again, faith, belief, same word, and it's not the word knowledge. Believing something isn't the same thing as knowing about something. Belief is not a momentary passing fancy. It's a settled conviction. It's not what I know. It's what I'm convicted of. And and when I say convicted, that's not to say that we can't have the occasional doubt question. Those are we don't want a life of doubt, but there will be times that things will be will will hit us, and we will say, "If there is a God, why didn't He respond the way that I think I should? If there is a God, why did this happen?" You know, tragedies do make us re reexamining's good. There's nothing wrong with re-examining your faith. I had um, a very dear friend of mine. His name is Doug. Uh, after I got out of college, Doug and I were roommates in Lincoln. And we were hanging out online Friday evening. And uh, Doug, I, Doug is a good friend. I, I appreciate that he and I can make jokes. And, 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 and he loves me as my friend. And so any, any jokes that we make back and forth teasing each other... But I appreciated Doug saying, and we've known each other now 30, 30 years. Doug, Doug had said, what I've always remembered, Jason, is that I could hit you with the hardest questions. And instead of running from them, your response was, hey, if it makes me question my faith, this is good. Because questioning it and coming out the other side, I'm stronger for it. And he said, I've never forgotten that. He said that, that you never ran from anything I threw at you. He's not a Christian. You never ran from it. In fact, you, you, you welcomed that. You welcomed those questions into your life so that you could figure out the answers. So that you would be... And, and so I don't mind questions and I don't mind doubts. I just don't want to stay in them. 
we who have chosen to follow Christ live by faith. We're not to live by just what we see. We walk by faith. That's what makes life worth living, is the relationship with God through his son Jesus that we walk by. Because the other alternative is that we cheapen our relationship with Christ. We dumb it down. We don't think about it. But Christ is more than what we make of him. We don't make, we don't make Jesus in our image. We don't say, what am I getting out of it? When it, when it's a, if it's what I'm getting out of it, then the point is me, and God serves me, and I'm the center of the universe. But I'm not. And God is the center of the universe, and my life revolves around him. And then I have a sure foundation, because I, if I'm the foundation, I'm terrible. I mess everything up. I can't get anything right most of the time. I don't want to be the center of my world. It's, a, it's such, a, such a shaky foundation. He is the big deal. He is not a hobby. God offers us life. Not an existence of pain and despair and doubt, but true living. Eternal life. But that true life, the Bible says, comes only through our Lord Jesus Christ. And without him, there is death. Now, this is not what God wants for us. God's goal is our salvation, not our condemnation. But he leaves that to us. It is our choice. By not having a relationship with Christ... Jesus says, you already stand condemned. You are already outside of God's will. You begin that way. It is a fallen world. God does not force faith or relationship with him on us. Sin is rebellion, willing rebellion. It's not accidentally rebellious. C.S. Lewis points out that, that we know the decisions that we make. We know what is light. And that's what Jesus says as well. And we choose the dark. Um, so how do we live? We live, and, and, and I think it was um, said Ernie Pyle, 1944 Pulitzer Prize winner, that said that famous statement, there are no atheists in the foxholes. Um, when push comes to shove, <laughs> we know. Now, most of our world doesn't want to know. They want to stay in the darkness. I don't want to come into the light, Jesus says, because if I come into the light, I will be confronted with what I don't want to see. So, ha, 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 I can't see the real world. But when push comes to shove, we know. And that's why most of the world wants to live on autopilot. They don't want to think about it. Because forced to think about it, it's terrifying to realize that there is a God if we're not right with him. The Christian lives right with God, and that's how we get life. How do we live? We live devoted to the one who sent his son to die for us, to save us. God gives us life. God also gives us light, which is this wonderful metaphor. I mean, obviously we don't mean light, although light is an amazing metaphor, isn't it? Um, Globally, worldwide, every human culture sees light as good, and darkness is dangerous and bad. You know, whether you're in the jungles of Africa, night hides the predators. Um, wherever you're at, uh, no matter how primitive the people have been, um, dark is dangerous. Light is good. Humans are 
diurnal. That's our fancy word. I brought that up with a preacher friend, and he said, you just made that word up. No, it's actually a real word. The, the alternative is my hermit crab who is nocturnal. Um, he comes out at night, and in the daytime he sleeps. The opposite of nocturnal, di- we are diurnal. We are, God made us that light, I don't care if you're an atheist, or, light is important to us. I can't, my night, the older I get, Mark, there's going to come a day when I can't come visit you anymore at night, c- coming back at night. Your road, that road to Beverly gets harder every year, the older I get. My eyes are just failing, and that's a terrible road. And I swear, every time I drive to your place, it's raining. And that road is worse in the rain. That, 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 when I was a kid, I could, I could do that. Um, I, need, I need the light. <laughs> I don't work well at night. And the older I get, the worse I work at, at night. Um, I suspect I'm not alone in this. And so there's no surprise that God uses light as an image in the Bible for our relationship with him. Verse 19 and 20, uh, Jesus said, and I'll just read these again, um, this is the verdict, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. It is as if the image that we have is that there is a dungeon, and we are prisoners in this dungeon. And the doors to the dungeon have been thrown open, and we can leave. And most of the world says, but if I go out, I will see things I don't want to see. I'll see myself in the dark. Nobody can see me, see how grungy and, and grimy I look. And, and the light implies a responsibility, and it's easier to be a prisoner in the dark than it is to live responsibly in the light. Men love evil. We live in a day when we like to call it personal choice, but anything that goes against the will of God is evil. Let's not pull punches. Now, I'm not saying people are evil, but when we sin, we reject the light. And, and not to point fingers out there, we as Christians can do this too, that, that we can choose darkness instead of light. You know, God loves me. I should be allowed to come to him on my own terms. We dictate to God when it's he who should be telling us what to do. Well, why can't the church accept the way that I'm doing things? Well, the better question is why can't we do things God's way? Why does it have to be our way? We tell him how he should act, and maybe this is why Jesus says that many will be surprised one day when they stand before God and say, God, didn't we do all these other things? Some people actually have this idea that you have to be balanced. I've, I've had people tell me, well, you've got to be balanced. Uh, moderation in all things, they misapply. And they think for some reason that's light and darkness, and that's, that's crazy. You know, this idea, well, I've got to have a little darkness so the light shines more, more profoundly. But that's not Christian. God, God, has, God has no opposites. You know, we... We try to make this Zoroastrian or Star Wars, which is based on Zoroastrianism, light side, dark side to the force, and they're equally balanced. But God has no opposite. God is the source of all goodness. Uh, this is the light that Jesus speaks of. People who do evil things flee the light because when confronted with their way or God's way, they like their way and would rather stay in the dark. 
Hell, think on this. Hell is the ultimate expression of God's love. He doesn't force anyone to live with him for eternity if they don't want to. Because he's in charge. Heaven is his place. And he's in charge. And if you don't want to live with God in charge, you don't have to. It breaks his heart. But he loves you enough that he will let you choose where you want to spend eternity. And if you don't want to do things his way, he doesn't make you. Hell is a choice. It pains him, but he honors our choice. He, let, he lets us choose because he loves us. But we can't choose both. We can't choose to do our things and go to heaven. We can't do because it's our way or his way. Um, Jesus says you can't serve two masters. And that applies to the people who call themselves Christians. We in the church cannot play games. We can't do light on Sunday, dark on Saturday. We can try. But God will not be played. And too many of us will be surprised one day, I fear, that we have to leave the ways of the world behind us. We can't try to have as much of the world with us. Our, the struggle of the church of the 21st century is that we are so desperate to try to please a world that can't be pleased. So many churches have found it more convenient to keep step with the world than to keep step with the Bible. Oh, this book is ancient, it's old, it doesn't apply anymore, it's so unpopular, it's so, so regressive, it's so ancient, and, and all these other words. But the world can't save us. And the world doesn't love us. And the world will keep changing. Things that, were po- thing, things that were popular once are not popular now. Things, the current mindset, I do like the German word zeitgeist, the, the, uh, the, the, the spirit of the age. Um, literally, I think it means time ghost, but, but uh, the, 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 age that we, the spirit of the age that we live in, it changes, doesn't it? This never changes. God's word never changes. It's a foundation. Our world, our culture is not foundational. It will change. The things that we think are important now, they will go away. God's word is eternal. That light is the light worth following. We leave the world behind us. It cannot save us. We choose light. God gives us that light. God also gives us love. You knew what I was going to say, even without the outline. You knew that I was going to say, what, what, are, what are you worth? What do you think you're worth? So, true story that, that, that gets from my own life. Um, i already written this sermon when my father and I were talking about this a little bit Friday night, um, texting back and forth a bit. Uh, I, I don't have a... <laughs> I don't do a lot of high school memories. I don't have a lot of friends from high school. I don't have a lot of friends from college. Um, my, I, I, I suffer from depression. Um, always have. And, and high school, even the good memories are, are mixed with some bittersweet, angsty memories. Um, every, everything was tinged by that. High school in particular. Uh, my parents separated for a while at one point. Um, I remember at that time, parents were, were, were having trouble. They're, they're together. They got things worked out. I, th- I uh, Cut to the end on that. Praise God. 
girlfriend that I was really into broke up with me. There, was so, there were so many things going wrong in my life. I know it, it may sound like typical teenage drama, and by and large it was. But I had enough things that I was struggling to deal with that I was grateful that my preacher at the time, his wife was a counselor. I kept her office very busy <laughs> for a while. Um, I felt like I hit rock bottom. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm sad or I've got the blues. Those that get it, depression is, is worse than that. And digging deep, I didn't have anything. The, digging deep for finding that meaning in life, it wasn't there. Life felt meaningless. That was when I discovered my parents' relationship with God doesn't cut it. That doesn't do any good, that my parents were Christians. I need to have a relationship with God through Jesus, or I've got nothing. So when I talk about the meaninglessness of life, I'm not talking from academics. I'm talking as a kid who grew up in the church. My dad was a preacher. My grandfather was a preacher, and I didn't have it until I really needed it and really discovered just how hollow and empty life was. I'm not going to blame it on the depression, but I think that it probably exacerbated some of those feelings. Maybe it was a good thing. Maybe hitting rock bottom and having depression really made me realize just how hollow and empty life life was. I looked for the inner strength and it wasn't there. The great philosopher from hundreds of years ago, Rene Descartes, um, is famous for his, his statement, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. The backdrop of this is that Rene Descartes said, how do I know that I'm real? How, how do I know that I, you're not all a figment of my imagination, that everything that I'm seeing isn't a dream? And he locked himself in an oven for a few days, in fact, like this big gigantic oven and shut the door and said, I'm not coming out until I figure this out. And when he came out, he said, I think, therefore, I am. And we, we, we say, this is, kind of the, this is kind of the basis of philosophy. If we can't trust our own thoughts, we don't really have anything else to work with, right? It starts up here. But for faith, what's our foundation? And what I discovered when I went digging was I didn't have it because that foundation is a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have that, you got nothing. And you have, and I will argue that there's no meaning to life. Um, I, I needed that literal come to Jesus moment. God loves me, and therefore my life has meaning. Without that, my life has no meaning. I am not the source of my own happiness or joy. It is not egocentric. It is theocentric. God loves me, and he is the center of my life. God says I have worth. God says I'm worth sending Jesus to die for. I'm not the center of the world, but the center of the world sent his son to die for me. Who am I to argue with him that I have value? If he says I'm valuable and that I'm created in his image, then I have value. Because he says I have value. But if you take him out, I'm worthless and I'm meaningless. And I don't make a difference. Our value is in the eyes of God. It is God's love that makes the world go round. Now, does that make my depression go away? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I think it helps. I do think it helps. I absolutely do. I think God makes a difference even in that. I think it makes it manageable. I've had to learn other coping techniques and diet and exercise and things like that to try to cope with, with that, and that's okay. But I do think, um, I, I, I do think that 
even in the midst of, of despair, the toughest times, death, falling economies, or our own personal finances, war. You know, we, we may have tough times in front of us with our world. We, we may be looking at some really tough times. I don't know how bad Ukraine, Russia is going to get. I don't know how bad the immigration uh, issue. Apparently, it's getting pretty bad. One pandemic we've had. I hope we're not going into it. I certainly hope we're not going into another. The economy, all of this stuff. We could be very discouraged looking at all of this. But if we have God, it's fine. Our God gets us through this. Our God loves us and calls us to love him and follow him, and we're good. Um, doesn't make those bad things go away. But that's the difference. We, we, we just finished a study on, on getting through tough times, hope in tough times on Sunday evenings. We're starting a new study tonight uh, on how God speaks to us. I'm excited to get into that. But I appreciated that um, our, the, the video that we watched, the study that was led by a man from India, uh, Neil Vimal Kumar, I hope I got his name right, um, Neil points out, and I think it's a really good point, God with us doesn't mean that we don't go through the bad times. God with us means that when we go through the bad times, we don't go through them alone. Man, that's powerful. It's simply said, but that's really, really powerful. God isn't Santa. And false faith is this idea that, well, if I'm following God, my life should go great. That's not Christianity. If you're, in fact, if anything, Satan hates you more than before you started following God. Following God doesn't mean the bad times don't happen. He's not Santa or a genie. He's our father. Following God means that when the times get tough, we don't face them alone. And he's with us, and he gets us through them. Our God is a personal God. He created you. He loves you. He wants to be with you. And he honors you. He lets you choose if you want to be with him. Um, if you want his love or not. He doesn't force us. Our hymn of invitation is 352, maybe? Nope. I haven't been paying attention. I apologize. Uh, we'll find, uh, we'll, we'll, they'll put the hymn of invitation up here. Oh, no, we're doing something different. Um, more, more, Mona Lisa got stolen at one point, and more people showed up at the Louvre to, to look at the blank spot. <laughs> than had been showing up to see the Mona Lisa every day. We are reminded um, that in its, in its missingness, it was more noticed than when it was seen. If you took John 3 out of the Bible, we would, we would lose a powerful aspect. It may, this may be super foundational and basic, but man, it's a good chapter. and so foundational to what we believe take it out, we would lose our foundation. We live because he loved us. We believe because he loved us. Many people go with the flow. It's easy to come to church. It's easy to hang out and ride the fence. The Bible compares our walk with God to a marriage in the same way that my wife and I are committed. I am committed. A poor example of my commitment to God, his love for me. Therefore, don't date God. Commit. Um, be, be committed for your life to a relationship with him through Jesus. Um, obey the one who offers you salvation. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.